Earners, what's up? Look, as an entrepreneur, the dream is to earn a living doing what you love. But let's face it, turning that dream into reality is no small feat. That's where Kajabi steps in, transforming challenges into opportunities. I've been there, juggling every aspect of my business, wishing for a simpler way to diversify revenue and grow my brand. Then Kajabi changed the game. It's an all-in-one platform that empowered me to not just build, but thrive. With Kajabi, creating online courses, membership sites, and more became not just possible, but easy. And the best part? I kept 100% of what I earned, thanks to Kajabi's no-commission policy. But Kajabi isn't just about tools. It's about building a profitable business with the support of robust analytics, easy payment options, and customizable templates all without needing a huge team or audience. Join me and thousands of entrepreneurs making six or seven figures on Kajabi, regardless of your audience size. If you're ready to turn your passion into profit, Kajabi is your next step to success. So what are you waiting for? Build, grow, and keep what you earn with Kajabi. Start your journey today. And right now, Kajabi is offering a free 30-day trial to start your business if you go to kajabi.com slash earn. That's K-A-J-A-B-I dot com slash earn. Kajabi.com slash earn. And join the entrepreneurs and creators who've made over $6 billion. Don't wait. Don't hesitate. Head over there now. Earners, what's up? Look, this episode is sponsored by NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast. What's the best way to help you and your finances thrive? The answer can be overwhelming with all the financial misinformation out there. Fortunately, you can turn to NerdWallet's objective finance journalists to set things straight and help you make smart decisions with your money. I can't front. The nerds have helped me get smarter about a few things, like planning my tax bills so that I don't dread April every year, or making a budget that's balanced, not just buying sneakers and fly clothes, or saving on travel because spending less on airfare means more money for an extra night or maybe a five-star dinner. Or boosting my credit score, since we all know credit is like the real-life cheat code. The nerds also explain the real impact that the latest financial headlines can have on your life. You'll get the clarity you need to make smart decisions with confidence. Smart money is the smartest way to get even smarter about money. Let NerdWallet's trusted experts untangle today's web of financial misinformation. Listen to NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast on your favorite podcast app. Future you? Well, thank you. Earners, what's going on? Listen, EYLU is relaunching, revamping, retooling. That's right, we're creating a new educational experience that's more expensive. Shadi, tell them what we got. Yes, 2023. We got a lot in store, a lot planned for you guys. So you know that EYLU already includes monthly financial planning calls with me, book club calls with Troy, real estate calls with MG the Mortgage Guy, access to the home buying blueprint, volume one and volume two. Part of the revamp will include 27 local chapters from across the United States, live interactive teaching, hands-on, not just pre-recorded videos, plus 15 brand new curriculums. The biggest just got bigger. Head over to EYLUniversity.com. That's E-Y-L-U-N-I-V-E-R-S-I-T-Y.com. See you there. There's no standing together, it's divided. Black people are the ones that's criticizing. Black community support, Kyrie. You have prominent black journalists that okay, were on television yeah. publicly denouncing him. There is a certain power that media does have, and there are certain forces demand certain responses to certain things. All right, guys, welcome back. EYL, we are in New York. 
And we have a very, very, very special episode. We had some conversation off air. Yes. That could have turned into a whole hour conversation within itself. So I said, we got to save some for this. <laughs> We've for had longer conversations about these topics. <laughs> for sure. So Shatelia Riley Irving is actually made history by, and correct me if I'm wrong, but you are the first black woman to negotiate an NBA contract? Yes. Ever. I believe so, yeah. Congratulations. That's what I've been told. And I also believe, I think that you're the, only, you're the only black woman right now with an NBA client as an agent. Active player. Active player. Correct. C- currently. Yep. Unless somebody signed somebody in the last place. <laughs> I don't know about, but yeah. Yeah, okay. Trailblazing, so you never um, know. <laughs> but, it, but, it, but it didn't start, we didn't start the XVP at Black Enterprise, a black, a BET. Yep. Um, black Entertainment Television. I was actually senior vice president. Okay. I, I have to... Because we don't always get our for sure, yeah. for sure. Yeah. Senior vice president at BET, yeah. um, and now is the CEO of all even, all, all even, yeah. all even, all even, all even. So it's, it has the A, then the number eleven, but it's pronounced all even. Okay, yeah, yeah. And your client is none other than one of the greatest of all time. Thank and we're gonna say that very comfortably. For sure, one of the greatest of all time. I don't care what number y'all put them. He's in the conversation and he should be on the list. Mm-hmm. Kyrie Irving. We're going to make our own list. For sure. Kyrie Irving. Yeah. So um, you represent one of the greatest athletes of all time and somebody who has become a cultural figure outside of the game of basketball. Mm-hmm. Variety of different reasons that we'll get into. But um, it's a tremendous story of switching gears from corporate America to becoming a sports agent to working with one of the most successful and a lot of times misunderstood athletes of our generation mm-hmm. um, who makes a lot of money, um, had a very public dispute with Nike, the biggest sneaker brand in history. Um, so there's a lot to talk about, you being a black woman in, in the sports world. And you were gracious enough to come to InvestFest. Yeah. So thank you for that. How was your experience at InvestFest? I loved it. Um, I am all about supporting my people. Um, so when the opportunity came, I was like, I absolutely will be there. Um, I'm all about how can I help uplift your platform, um, help you be seen. So in whatever capacity, I'm there. We appreciate you being there. Thank you. Thanks for having me. It was amazing. I mean, just seeing, um, that many people of color with a, a quest to understand finances and money and investment and success. It just, it made my heart really full. Appreciate that. Thank you. So, all right, well, let's get into this. So we'll talk about you being an agent, but let's talk about when you were a senior executive at BT. So what were your, what was your role at BT and how did you climb up the ranks to reach that level? So, um, at BET, I was senior vice president of ad sales. Um, I managed our digital platform. And so it was all about selling and convincing people that uh, people of color mattered and that they should um, invest their advertising dollars across BET Digital. And so I spent about two, 14, 15 years with BET. I started as a salesperson. I remember the first day um, that I walked in, um, they gave me... PNG, Walmart, Coca-Cola, and said, okay, go for it. And I always tell people, and I mean this honestly, it was the best 
PhD, master's degree, MBA, uh, postdoctoral education that I got and just being under Lewis and Ray and just having this opportunity to be seen and to learn. So it was just an amazing experience. So that, that, that says a lot, right? Like they're giving you some of the top brands yeah. in the world. In the world. So you have to learn. I mean, sales can be grueling. And if you don't move your feet, it's tough to eat. So what, what was that like for you? What did you learn about negotiating mm-hmm. and making sure that we are seen, right? Because a lot of times we look at these brands and we don't see us. But over the past maybe five or six years, we're starting to see a little bit of change. We've seen some deals that they've made. What was that like early stages? Um, early stages, I came from an environment that, because I've always been in sales. So my entire career was in some level of media sales. And early stages, it was like I was walking into this environment that looked like me. And that was very, very different from any of the other media sales positions that I had. Um, Lewis is president of sales. You don't see that as a black man. Um, Ray was EVP of sales. You don't see that. Um, I saw vice presidents that looked like me. So it was that first opportunity that, okay, I'm in something special. And for me, it was really about putting my head down and learning as much as I possibly could. So I literally was a sponge. I would raise my hand and ask questions. I was never afraid. My thing is talk to me like I'm three. I will not be offended because I never had the ego to walk in and say that I know it, I knew it all or that I had enough experience to dictate um, how you should interact with me. I was like, uh-uh, there's no ego here. I know nothing about this business. Teach me. And so they were gracious enough to teach me um, and they were gracious enough to demand that everybody else teach. And that was what that environment really was. Mm-hmm. Um, it was grueling. It was not this um, nine to five. Um, because we super served a consumer that was so important and it was black and brown people. And so it was really about us. We had the largest repository of consumer insights about black people on the planet. If you wanted to know how black people ate, what they did, how they did it, when they did it, BT was that place to learn about it. And so our job was really to uh, be missionaries and to go out and to educate because there were all of these preconceived notions of black people can't afford this. Yes, yeah, they can. Black people aren't interested in this. They're not interested in investment. Yes, they are. They're raising their hand right now and saying, teach me, show me. And you saw it yourself at InvestFest. Mm-hmm. You had thousands, what was it, 20,000 people show up? Yeah. Because they wanted to learn, right? So imagine if you had every financial company, every investment company invest in InvestFest what their return on investment would have been from these people that are like, I'm raising my hand, teach me. And that was something that um, we had to do within the the confines of BET and really showcase that that black and brown audience was an important audience. So how did you convince the corporate that it was in their best interest to, you know, invest dollars, not only like as a charity thing, but as like a good investment? Never as charity. Because we're, we're not a charity case. But that's how a lot of people look at it like that. Yeah, no. We went in. We went in with research. We went in and we talked about we influence trends. And that's it at the end of the day. We influence trends. If you want your business to soar, this is how your business soars. And we demanded top dollar. And it was really, you had, a, you had an army of people behind you um, that were unapologetic and what 
we demanded advertisers do and engage with with the consumers that we serve. So how does that work, right? Because there's a number that they have in mind. Mm-hmm. There's a number that you have in mind. Mm-hmm. But in between that is a negotiation. It's all a negotiation. Right? So what like what are some of those 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 key things when we're going into negotiation that we should have on our, our our board? Like we're not moving on this, we're not but like what are some of those things? I think you have to start first at what's your strategy. What do you know about the company? What do you understand about the company? And also what's important to them? Because at the end of the day, if you want something, you're gonna pay for it. But I have to convince you that you really want it. So imagine if there's a car that you want, right? You're going to pay for it no matter what. You want this car. And whether this car is a million dollars, $2 million, $1,000, $2,000, if you want it, you're going to pay for it. I just have to convince you that you want it. So it was coming in with the strategy. It was coming in with uh, creativity because the most creative person gets the biggest house at the end of the day. And that was the mantra that we lived by. So we knew that we had to show you the facts show you why this audience mattered, get you to a place where you're like, I want that audience, come in with the creativity and show you why in this beautiful house or in this beautiful car, this is why this audience stands out the most. And then when we get to that price and what that ultimate rate was. Now, we didn't always get, obviously, um, what we wanted, but we always settled at a, at a, in my mind, a comfortable space at the end of the day. So... When was the transition from you working at BET to becoming a sports agent? That came about, it was something that I didn't expect. So it wasn't, I didn't have high aspirations of, I want to go into sports and and do anything in sports. Um, if we talked five years ago, I would have said, hey, I want to be president of, of, a, of a media sales organization. Um, the opportunity to going to sports came from Kai. He calls me one day and he says, hey, um, I love your business acumen. How much would it cost for me to hire you and have you lead my team? And I said, you can't afford me. <laughs> and he said, what? he's like, what did you just say? He wanted you to lead the team, not, not represent him, but just lead his business. Represent him and lead his business. Oh, he wanted you to be his agent. He wanted me to do everything. Okay. What, what time frame is this? This was uh, summer of 2021. Okay. Okay. So he has, he's left the Celtics. Mm-hmm. He's, uh, with he's with Brooklyn. Mm-hmm. And it's important to know, we, have, we didn't actually mention it, but you guys, if they didn't know by your name, you're obviously related. He's your bonus son. Correct. So it's a family. It's a family. Business as well. Mm-hmm. And that's why I said you can't afford me because how do you put a, a price on a labor of love? <laughs> right. Right? I'm like, this is like being a parent. You can't, say, all right, so I raised you, I put you through elementary, middle school, and high school, and you owe me X, Y, Z. That's not it. Mm -hmm. And so what I said to him was, hey, you know, I can help you. I'll lean in and and help you and provide whatever um, business acumen that I I can. I'm not the most familiar with sports. Um, It's going to be one of those situations where it's going to be a little touch and go. That's interesting. But I'll do it. So... When he proposes this to you, is it now, let me familiarize myself with the game of basketball, with sports, with contracts? Oh, yeah. Get agents, like, yeah, yeah, take us through that. So that was, oh, Lord, let me, (laughs) (laughs) because now, like, I'm I'm watching the game before as Kyrie's my child. Go, Kyrie. Now I have to watch the game from a business perspective. Now I'm looking at contracts. Now I'm looking at 
different players and trying to analyze what their career has been for the last five years, 10 years. What were the successes? What were the failures? So now I'm deep into the research of really understanding this business of sports, this business of basketball. So what, all right. So you, at first you say that he can't afford you, Mm -hmm. but obviously you ended up taking a position. So when did you decide that you wanted to do it? After I, when you get involved and you really start to look under the carpet and under the rug and in the crevices and you realize, ooh, there's some things that's not right here. And you really start to come in and change it. And you realize that you can't be a part-time participant. So you saw things that was happening in his business world Mm -hmm. that he was getting taken advantage of or it just wasn't optimal? It just wasn't optimal. Um, He's been always really smart and really good about business, but there were just things in terms of representation, um, how uh, he was targeted Mm -hmm. um, that just did not sit well uh, with me. Questions that probably weren't properly raised on his behalf. Mm -hmm. Um, I felt like he needed at that moment in time um, a real ally in his in his corner that wasn't concerned about how much do I make from this, but really just wanted to see him do well. Yeah, so summer 2021, this is post-COVID. Well, in the midst of COVID, not not post-COVID, post the decision, I'm not taking the vaccine. Right at that, right at that moment. This is that, this is that time. This is when, yeah. became his agent. This is when I, this, not his, well, his, because I hadn't taken the agent's exam yet. So I was like the business manager. And this is right when, the mandate started to come in right. where you had to basically take your vaccine. Take the to vaccine play, and which was, to play. Unless you unless, unless you lived in, in DC you played in other areas. Yeah. So, so he, he played he kept, in I remember he played yeah. uh in, preseason versus the, the Golden State Warriors, mm-hmm. but he couldn't play at home in New York. He couldn't play at home in New York. Which would make no sense. And so at this time the NBA he's he's not playing, right? There's a there's a decision here. I took right before. So I agreed, and like two weeks later, <laughs> that's right. when I was hit with the, right in the fire. <laughs> that's when I was hit with. So uh, we just wanted to make sure that you understand that this mandate just came down, and um, he would need to be vaccinated in order to play. On one side, so there's a lot of things happening at the same time because at the same time we're looking maybe long term extension, mm-hmm. and now this plays a role. Correct. And so you have to, you're, are you having the, I mean, obviously you're having these conversations. Well, mm-hmm. you know, if this A doesn't happen, long-term extension could be in jeopardy mm-hmm. and then some other things transpire. But what, what are those conversations like at the time um, from your understanding? Because this is new to you as well. It's new to me. Um, it was first like, are you serious? Because I really didn't. I was like, this Are you serious to who? The NBA um, or to Kyrie? Uh, to both. <laughs> to both, to the team and to Kai. Like, are you serious? Because I can't, believe that this is happening and what's and there was a lot of confusion within it because Mm -hmm. it was but you can you can't play at home but you can play in other places and it you you just it was just one of the most confusing things ever um at that time to navigate and there was not a rule book a blueprint or anything that said okay this is how you navigate it and um it was difficult. I'm, I'm not going to, because you didn't know what the outcome was going to be. Right. So, okay. So you take the position. 
he doesn't, he decides that he does not want to get vaccinated. Mm -hmm. At first, they were kind of like figuring it out. He played some games, he didn't play some games. Mm -hmm. Then, to my understanding, correct me if I'm wrong, the organization kind of took a hard stance on this. Like, look, if, if you don't get vaccinated, you're not playing. Yeah, they didn't want a part-time player. Right. So their yeah. their objective was they wanted a full-time player. And if he wasn't going to get vaccinated, he wasn't going to play at all. And so, so then he misses like 40 games, something like that? Mm-hmm. He's getting paid for that, though, right? No, he didn't get paid for that. So, how much? How much money did he lose that season? A lot. Let's say that <laughs> a lot of money. A lot of money. Probably like ten million dollars or more. No, way more. Twenty million. I calculated it before. It was up, upwards of thirty to forty million. Not that much, but oh. he lost a lot. Okay. All right. So, well, endorsements. Well, go ahead, keep going. So he loses a lot of money. He ends up actually playing at the in the playoffs, I believe, right? Um, towards the end, I want to say maybe March sometime. They let it, that's when yeah, the, the mandate, the, the mandate was dropped. Yeah. So, all right. So in this time when he's not playing, he's losing money. He becomes public enemy number one. Yeah. Um, which happens a few times throughout his career, but he becomes public enemy number one. Stephen A. Smith had a whole rant against how, how ignorant he was for doing it. My question is like, while he's going through all of this. Yeah. You're representing him, right? But you're also his mother as well. Yeah. So how is your conversations with the Brooklyn Nets, if you're having any conversations, how is your conversations with him as his agent and his mother? And how is your dealings with his PR team, his media team? Like, how are you handling all of this in the midst of the storm? Uh, Day by day. And that's, and and I'm not going to sugarcoat it. I'm not going to, it was a day by day. It was an active daily um, conversation, action. Um, one of the things you have to understand is that we all, and I don't know if you guys have children, mm-hmm. um, but you. one of the things you tell your kids, stand up for what you believe in. Never, you know, be a leader and not a follower. And so in this situation, he's standing, he's doing what you've taught him to do. I've known him since he was eight years old. And so those are the conversations that you have with your kids. You're like, hey, stand up for what you believe in, um, no matter what, no matter what people say. And so here it is. He's standing up for what he believes in. And the whole world is creating um, a narrative, a narrative, a label. It's it's not um, he's not a team player. He's not this. He's not that. And so for me, it was really making sure that he was okay. How was his spirits? How was his spirits on that time? His spirits were good. Um, His spirits were really good. Mm -hmm. But I think that as a family, we really came around and really supported him. Um, And I think that that was that was the reason why, you know, he didn't go into this this deep depression or anything, because that's a lot every day Mm -hmm. to hear your name said based on a decision that you really believe. Yeah, And his name was brought up far more than other athletes who took, took the same stance. Even to this day, yeah, people Aaron, will label, like there are other athletes that um, did not get vaccinated. Uh, Aaron Rodgers lied about it. MVP, yeah. right? Jovac, uh, Novak Djokovic, number one tennis player, probably all time. Same thing. But nobody had the spotlight on them like yeah. I did. And here's the thing. If you go through and you look at post-interviews, um, you'll see athletes that... Um, 
also refused to get vaccinated. They don't have, and he was an anti-vaxxer or he refused to get vaccinated attached to their name. But with Kai, it's, and he did this, and he did this, and he did this, and he did this, (laughs) attached to that. Like that is the descriptor for him making a decision that, um, that I support. Um, I, I, I'm a person that it is your body. You only get one. Mm-hmm. And if that is the decision that you make, I'm very much a pro-choice person. I'm not going to stand in and say, you should do this or you should whatever. Did you? This your body. Were you, were you having conversations with the Brooklyn Nets? Mm-hmm. What were those conversations like? Just check-ins. We just did. So they never like put pressure or like tried to give an ultimatum or like... I mean, the ultimatum was he didn't get his extension. So that was the... Well, I mean, once e- that even, was off the table. Even before... Because I, I think at some point in time they knew that it's not going to work out. But I, I would assume in the early stages they still were trying to make it work, I would assume, right? Yeah, I mean, what I will say is uh, we conversed and we talked. I think that when it was very clear that he wasn't going to get vaccinated, it was just, hey, we're just checking in. How's he doing? How are you doing? It it was cordial. that was it. It was cordial. Yeah. Can can I just go backwards for two seconds? Because the fact that you became an agent... Mm -hmm. I mean, how, what was that? There, are there, there's tests, because we, we spoke to a few, we spoke. I wasn't even an agent at that point. This is what I'm saying. Like, at what point did you, the NBA say that you're registered now to be an agent? That didn't happen until maybe March of 2022, February, March of 2022. So this is during the time, he's almost coming back mm-hmm. and now you're a registered agent. Mm-hmm. So you're dealing with family issue, you're mm-hmm. representing him, and now you're working on a professional career as well, mm-hmm. right at the point where he's about to come back. Exactly. Wow. And the agent, I mean, you just took a test. Yeah. Test, right? Mm-hmm. Um, okay, so you become an agent. You said that he doesn't f- get an extension, mm-hmm. right? So now he's a free agent at that point in time. Mm-hmm. So yeah, one more year on his contract, which was an option year. Yeah. He played that year. Uh, that would have been the 22-23 was his option year. Yeah. Oh. So he took the option. Mm-hmm. He played. Mm-hmm. And then was uh, traded. Traded to Dallas. Mm-hmm. But was, during, he, he got traded midseason? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. He got traded. But so as that process is happening, that's on the court. Mm-hmm. But Nike, I mean, this is a premier athlete like we went over. There's obviously Jordan and Jordan Brand. Yeah. And then it's Kobe. Yeah. And then it's like LeBron, Kai, KD. Mm-hmm. What are those conversations like? Because this is one of their premier athletes. This is Uncle Drew. This is a top-selling shoe. Kids love it. His shoes were still selling. At the same time. Mm-hmm. His shoes were still selling. Um, we were in conversations. Um, well, we hadn't really started at that point um, about what the next steps would be if he was going to re- remain a, a signature athlete or not in what way. They wanted to continue that. We hadn't even started that yet. His shoes were... So they're, they're fully on board. We're already... I wouldn't say they were fully on board. I think that internally, like within every company, everybody had issues with... There were people that were, I'm pro-vaccination and people that were, I'm anti-vaccination. Mm-hmm. And so I think that probably within, and I don't know this to be true, within those Nike walls, there were people that said, hey, you're forcing me to get vaccinated, but you have a signature athlete that isn't vaccinated. What what kind of messaging is that sending? So I'm sure, you know, everybody, it was a difficult time for every company just having the conversation about 
vaccine versus non-vaccination. So he makes it through that, and now he's he's playing for the Nets, and then something else happens. So he shares a link to a documentary, mm -hmm. and that causes another firestorm, mm -hmm. and he gets suspended indefinitely. Mm -hmm. And, okay, so now NBA mm -hmm. punishing him. Mm -hmm. Brooklyn Nets punishing him. But now the Nike situation starts to unravel mm -hmm. because now Nike at some point steps away from him, mm -hmm. right? Um, was he up for a new contract or did they just terminate the current contract? He was up for new. He was up for a new was contract. Uh-huh. It just so happened that timing was at the same time. Timing was at the same time. So they, they didn't technically terminate him. They just didn't renew. They did nothing. Essentially, yeah. To extend that contract. Yeah, essentially. Um, how was, okay. So how was that? That was another obviously very high profile news story. Mm -hmm. um, how was that for you and for him going through that? I think what he wanted and... Perhaps what he would have wanted from Nike, I don't know if Nike would have been able to give it to him because he wanted a lot more creative control. Um, he wanted uh, a lot more equity. He wanted higher commission. Like there were there were things that he wanted that I honestly think, think that, that just was not within Nike's ecosystem to provide or to give. So regardless of if the situation, it's... Nike still not might have been home for you guys anyway. Exactly. Yeah, I think he tweeted and said that he didn't like the shoe that yeah. they had put out. Mm -hmm. It was was it the nine? Uh the eights. Eights. Yeah. Okay. But how? But how was the from getting suspended? How was that dealing? Once again, now you got to deal with the Brooklyn Nets. You got to deal with the NBA. He had to go meet with the commissioner mm -hmm. and a bunch of other stuff, community service and different things of that nature. Like how was? That because he just went through something previously with COVID. Now he's going something going through something completely different, but another thing, less than a year later. So how was that for you guys going through that? Difficult. It was it was a very, very um difficult moment. And I think that to really delve into that detail, I would want him to be here to really mm -hmm. talk it through because there were so many nuances there that I think when you really hear the real story behind it, it'll make it yeah. it'll make your jaw drop. You have probably one of the most intensifying first years on the job. Very much so. Maybe ever, right? You <laughs> talk about so. the, the shoe contract negotiation, NBA contract negotiation, suspensions, mm -hmm. world pandemics, like all that's happening in your first year. Mm -hmm. So we're at the point where, you know, we're looking at from a financial standpoint and some of the things that you want from a, a shoe deal, it's not going to happen perhaps at night. Are other shoe companies reaching out and offering, because I know where we land and we'll get to that, but are other shoe companies reaching out and saying, this is a prize free agent from an athletic mm -hmm. uh, endorsement standpoint, we should go ahead and try to sign them? Mm -hmm. Initially, we wanted to go independent. Okay. And we had a lot of conversations with being an, a real independent shoe brand. And um, I sort of made the decision um, collectively with his dad that that probably wasn't the best route because building a shoe and building a performance shoe on the court where his feet are your most valuable asset 
was something that we were just really worried about from just being an independent brand, just having all of the resources, the tools and everything to make sure that his feet were protected. Um, we want him to have a very long career. And so we didn't want to jump out and say, hey, we're going to do this independent. And we produce a shoe that just couldn't stand. Were you, were, did you ever look at the big baller brand and, and what happened with that as something that like... Was a, a, a that was a case study. I, as you say, yeah, that's what I'm thinking. That was thinking. a case study. Yeah. Because, I mean, they yeah. said, like, I don't know if it's true or not, but shout out to Lonzo. He came to invest for us, but they say one of the reasons why he's hurt is because of the shoe. I don't know if that's true. It broke down. I that, yeah, I don't, I don't know. And, uh, you know, I don't... I just, I think that when you think about performance and the way he moves and the angles in which he moves on the court, and remember I talked about, you know, you research and you study, um, being independent and just basically producing a shoe that can achieve that mechanism was something that we all were really concerned about. Mm. Um, there's some things that you can kind of build the plane while flying it. This wasn't one of them. Yeah. And this was one of them that we just didn't want to take that, that, that chance on. And that's just being honest. So you end up with answer. And so this is interesting because this is now, I'm looking at this as a global yeah. play, right? Like they have at the time, well, Dwayne Wade was there. No, he's with Ling Ming. Ling Ming, oh. Ling Ming, yeah. Who, who's, who's that? Uh, um, uh, Clay Thompson. Clay Thompson, that's what it was. Are you watching how he's structuring his deal and, and looking, oh, this is completely independent. We want to have a global brand. This is a company that I think we can partner with. Yeah, so we uh, took the time to kind of figure out what did we really want in a shoe deal. So be before we even, you know, when it, when it was Nike was done, it was like, what is, what's important? So it was creativity, it was price point, quality products, um, a host of other things. And so when we started to have the conversations with Ant and a few other companies, um, it was really about us creating our own contract because we didn't want something that was really a traditional contract where it was like you just get royalties mm. and you get a base commission and you walk away. We wanted something that had a lot more ownership for us because we knew that once we put Kai in the lab, we knew what he was going to create at the end of the day. Um, we wanted something that um, gave us um, real equity. Um, that gave us a real opportunity to control the narrative and do something really different. We wanted something that was international. And we wanted something that we could also use as a springboard. So we knew that in China, his shoes were very successful. Yeah. So it just made sense, right? Yeah. When we looked at, if we thought about what uh, part of the world were his number one sales, it was China. So we immediately kind of stood there and said, what can we build here? And expand. Yeah, I, I heard him talk about the impact that Kobe had, mm -hmm. right? When Kobe, when they when they played in Beijing, mm -hmm. and they saw the impact that we're stars, but this guy is at a different level, correct? Because of the Chinese market, yeah. And I know he's close with Jimmy Butler, mm -hmm. who who signed with Lini, and so you can kind of see this this global impact. At you, you talked about the creative process at Nike, you said he wanted more. What is that like now? Uh, he's in it. Yeah. Oh, he's in it. Yeah. I've learned more about shoes, and I am a woman who loves shoes than I ever knew before. Um, from start to to finish, I, when I was in China, I kind of looked at his dad and I said, "We couldn't have done this by ourselves." <laughs> this is a process. It's really this this process to to build a performance shoe and all of the testing. 
that goes into it. So the product that the consumers are going to get, I think they're going to be really, really happy because he has his finger on everything. So you spoke about um, what you didn't get at Nike that he wanted as far as some equity and creative design and all. Can you give us some details perhaps on like what he's actually has? Not gonna let me give you the oh, secret okay. sauce now. <laughs> I mean, you secret know, I, sauce just, now. Like, like as far One as like an overview. He's very, he's very modest about is he doesn't like to talk about money. Right. For him, it's because he wants to be seen as Kyrie, the individual, Kyrie, the person, Kyrie, the humanitarian, not Kyrie. This is how much money. So he has equity. Yeah. He's not interested in like, that's the secret sauce. (laughs) That's the secret sauce. So let's talk about this because, you know, the season did start, but you guys had an amazing summer. Mm -hmm. And one of the things coming into the summer was free agency. Yeah. You know, he got traded to Dallas, but now it's. He's a free agent. Yeah. The most he can get is staying with Dallas or he can go somewhere else. I know mm-hmm. my brother's a diehard Lakers fan. Everybody thinks he's going to the Lakers because he's showing up at the playoff games. Yeah. At any point, I mean, in my mind, he's a max player. Mm-hmm. At any point, did you guys say, you know what, because of all of, you know, the news and headlines and were we not going to get max money? Were we going to have to take less money to go somewhere else? Or what What was the game plan going into the summer? The game plan was being at a place that you can consider home, that you were comfortable, um, that you saw yourself being a main contributor. So it was never about um, max money as much as it was really about making sure that this was a place that you felt comfortable, um, that you um, felt like you could be really a contributor at the end of the day, mm-hmm. um, that you liked the people that you were going to have to work with 82 games out of the year. And that was, that was the, the top. At, at, at the beginning, that was the most important thing. I think the money was probably third or fourth, um, it was always number one for me because I, I come from this money background and this exchange of, of 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 services and what that value is. But for him, it was really about money aside because, like I said, he doesn't he wants to be seen very differently and not from a, a monetary a monetary um, standpoint. Um, for him, it was where do I feel like I, I can be at home? Um, one of the things he did he's never got a chance to really experience was free agency. Mm-hmm. And so we wanted to try to give him that, that that ability to be courted a little bit and told that you're the prettiest girl at the prom, <laughs> or prettiest guy at the at the prom a little bit. So uh, that was important. But um, I think that when we when we talked about Dallas, it just checked all the boxes, even though, you know, we kind of looked to the side and said, you know, what else is out there? Because you're supposed to do it. Mm-hmm. But um, Dallas just checked all the boxes that he wanted. So let me. I, can I just go back to the sneaker thing for sure. a bit? So it's a Chinese company, mm-hmm. right? Um, so we don't really see a lot of these sneakers. In, in, people in America wearing these sneakers. So is the idea to make these sneakers popular in America, or it's like global? This, the Stephon Marbury thing where it's just like, Mm-mm. just China's enough to actually... It's global. Um, we're working, and uh, not to give away a lot of the secret sauce, but that was a real big part of um, our, our our negotiation and our deal was where is this going to be globally? Um, U.S., uh, Philippines, and those areas of the world where we know that basketball is really big. Yeah, you, you took a trip. 
Mm-hmm. To China this summer. It was crazy. <laughs> it looked it crazy. Insane. It was insane. It was one of the um, probably best trips that I that I've been on in a in a long time. Could could not walk the street. Couldn't walk anywhere. Really, mm-hmm. couldn't walk in the airport. Not at all. I, I snuck out a little bit <laughs> because I wanted to understand. Um, we're kind of given this these images of what um, China is and what the Chinese marketplace is. And how was how was your experience in China? It was amazing. It was um, nothing that I thought it would be when I got on the plane because you kind of go in with these stereotypes. And I was a little embarrassed myself because I'm like, I've always sold black media and I've always like countered these stereotypes, right, that people have of of black people. And here it is, I'm walking into China with certain stereotypes and, and getting off of that plane and just saying, just seeing just the energy and the just love that not only they have for Kai, but his family and basketball um, just meant so much. And just walking around. um, The Enhanced American Express Business Gold Card is designed to take your business further. It's packed with features and benefits like flexible spending capacity that adapts to your business, 24-7 support from a business card specialist trained to help with your business needs, and so much more. The Amex Business Gold Card, now smarter and more flexible. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash businessgoldcard. Probably not supposed to say this, and, and I'm sure I, you know, I stood out, but I was like, let me sneak out and really see this, not from this curated lens that... Um, Celebrity. Yeah, I wanted to see it for myself and embraced, um, I would try to speak and and I know no, I know none of the language but they would try to find somebody to help me um to have a conversation you saw moms standing there with their sons and their daughters um and they just had the same they just wanted to see their kids happy and that's a universal theme and you just recognize that all over the world people want the same they just want to see their kids happy that's, um, that's an amazing experience because yeah. I went to Hong Kong and my experience is completely different. Really? <laughs> yeah. I, mean, I just, I just so. it was, um, it was really a good experience. Mm-hmm. Really a good experience. So, so during this summer, this is the first time he's really going to be a free agent, like you said, but this is maybe, this is the first time like you're negotiating yeah. the contract. You're a trailblazer. I started by saying that. Talk about the pressure or the intensity that you had to feel I to make to make sure that you get this right, because if you don't, especially for our community, if you don't get this right, I'm done. You're done, but there might be a not, there may not be another chance for a black woman to step in this place to show that this is something that's capable we're capable of doing. Yeah. Well, take us through it. I didn't sleep for a few days. Um, I'm thankful that um, I had a few godfathers, and I think everybody needs that in any industry that held my hand. Um, ex-players, agents uh, today, business managers, um, even some people in the press that really were instrumental and helpful in just keeping me sane and giving me advice and talking to me about what um, I needed to do and the things that I should consider and all of those things. So I was really, really fortunate. I did not sleep. There was a lot of pressure because I said every everybody in the world is looking mm-hmm. and not everybody is hoping that I'm successful. But most importantly, um, there was a coworker that I worked with and she she 
ran up to me when I was announced as an agent. And she said, you know, you give my daughter something to believe in. And so every day that statement kind of rung through in my head when she was like, you give my daughter something to believe in. And so I was like, I can't, I can't disappoint this woman's daughters. I got to make sure that I, I do this well. So um, I, I was very happy with the, with the outcome. Who were some of the people that you, you called on in the, in, the, in, the, in the space? So I did not confirm if I could use their name. Oh, okay. Yeah, because okay. I, I don't want to, I don't want to put them out there well, like here's that. Here's a name that we can say. You sat down with Mark Cuban at some point. Oh, I love him. Contract's there. Mm-hmm. Now you're going to, once you sign this, you're on the other side of it. Mm-hmm. You've actually executed and you've done it with the world watching. So how, how's this conversation going? Um, Mark is very different um, than what I expected because I saw Mark through the lens of um, Shark Tank. (laughs) And so like that was what I imagined um, him being. And not that he was difficult or anything from that perspective on Shark Tank. I just expected him to be just very much, I know it all and this is it and this it's my way or the highway. And so Mark was very much inquisitive um, he wanted to know all things. He wanted to know our thoughts. Um, he didn't come across as very salesy at all. Um, he was really interested. There was more questions about what do we think, um, where we were, wh- where were we in the process. Um, he wanted my opinion um, on some things that he was working on. So it felt like, not like a transaction, it really felt like you were building this partnership. And so that's what made it a, a lot different. So he got a max contract, right? No, slightly under. Slightly under? Mm-hmm. Um, was, there, was there a lot of work in negotiation? Because I feel like a lot the contract is pretty much set at that point, right? Not necessarily. So when you, ha- when you look at the CBA and, and the salary caps, you have to think about, do you want to be a whale in a pond? right? Or do you want to be the whale in the ocean, right? So you don't want to suck up all of the money where you're not in a position to kind of help the team to get the help that they needed to to get to the next level. So those were all of the things you thought about was like, how do we, for us, like I said, it was like, how do you become that benefit? How is the team going to get better? How How are all of those things coming into play? So what are some things that just in general, people might not be familiar with like an NBA contract. I know some people, I think Braun has like a no trade clause or there's different things that you can kind of put in. There's on the games played, there's um, no trade clauses, there's, there's, a, there's just a plethora of things that you can include in the contract. Um, I think that one of the conversations you want to have is where, where's, where does the team see itself this year, next year, and the year after, especially during your contract because – if the team is consistently losing, you know, you're going to get blamed for it, right? You said ga- so. games played like you have to play a certain amount of games. You have to play a certain amount of games. Um, people have all sorts of contracts. Uh, minutes played. Um, you just have to kind of figure out what's in the best interest. What's big, what's big now is that, um, like, if you make an all-NBA team, mm-hmm. you get a bonus on your contract. All-star games. All- all-star games, yeah. All-star games. Yeah. Is that stuff that... that is part of Kyrie's deal? No. Mm-mm. Why? Why not? Um, all NBA is is can Sub- be a little subjective. subjective. Yeah, and you don't want to tie too. your your money to anything that is. Uh, well, we subjective. saw we saw somebody that lost a lot of money 
Yeah. 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 He's a great player. Yeah. Out in Memphis. Who yeah. didn't make any All-NBA teams. Yeah. And how much did he lose? Uh, between endorsements with Nike and signing bonus, I think it was 42. Mm. Yeah, right? Because he would have been able to sign a Supermax because he would have made one of the first teams. He probably would have been first team NBA, but he at least would have been second team. He doesn't make any of them. But who does benefit it is a guy like Jalen Brown who actually made an All-NBA team and then signs the richest contract in the history of the NBA. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So yeah. because he didn't make... Uh, all NBA team, he lost his ability to sign a Supermax. Mm -hmm. Unfortunate. Unfortunate. Yeah. Uh, I mean, but that that goes back to it. Like those... Those things that you think about. And it's yeah. John ja 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 Morant, right. by the way. Uh, obviously suspended for the first 25 games, I think, this season. Um, so that'll affect even if he had a games played. But he definitely contract. should have made an all NBA team. 1,000%. 1,000. And that's no slight to anybody that was on those teams. No, it's not. I mean, it's just yeah. obvious. Yeah. It's obvious. <laughs> so yeah but no because also when we heard Lou Will speak and Lou Will said that um, it was one year when he was playing that he felt he should have 100% been, been an all-star absolutely yeah and his coach I think Doug Collins was the coach at the time and he sat down with him and he said look you deserve to be an all-star he's like the reserves give the coach has to nominate the reserves yeah so he's like look you, you're the best player on the team, you deserve to be an all-star, but for the morale of the Leading team... Leading scorer on the team. For the morale of the team, I'm going to nominate somebody else. It was it was crazy. It was Andre Iguodala. <laughs> so, but what Lou Will said is that that not only... He lost a lot of money because he wasn't an all-star, but it negatively impacted his career to the point where he could never start ever again. And he kind of... He said he lost a lot of money. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Because of that one decision of him not being on an all-star team. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So politics that go into play here mm -hmm. that people might not always see. I just always think that contracts should be 100% um, in what you can control. That's mm -hmm. it. Especially when you put those types of things in a contract. So you don't like the bonus structures? I just think that if you're going to use a bonus structure, it should be something that you can control. That you 100% can control versus um, something that somebody else has can to Can be manipulated. Sense. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So you, you, a, you talked about being a whale in the ocean, right? As the agent, mm -hmm. you're looking at everybody's contract on the team because at, at or because I, I would imagine if I'm looking at Let's, I'll use the Mavericks, for example. If I'm looking at Luca and I'm thinking, all right, he's going to be super max. If we're looking at the future of the team, how are we going to build this out? Mm -hmm. I might have to fall at this number so that we can help still build mm -hmm. people around this core mm -hmm. to win the championship. Mm -hmm. are, so, like, are you, you're not looking at those or... I mean, I'm not looking at anybody's uh, contracts on the, on the team, per mm -hmm. se. Uh -huh. You're just looking at how how is the team going to look, right? Um it starts first with, do you feel like you want to be in Dallas? Is this the, the place you want to be? And when that was said, yes, this is, this is where I want to be, okay, what do you think that you need to feel comfortable there? And then you go from there. So you have one client who was a good client to have because he's one of the best athletes to start at the top. But you said your goal is to expand and to get other clients, right? Mm -hmm. So have you actively started to recruit other players or not? And and what is your sales pitch or your pitch to somebody 
mm-hmm. for you to represent them? We passively um, have started to have a conversation with players and um, potential um, picks um, for the NBA. Um, for us, it's we don't want everybody. And I know that that sounds because we're really about how can we help? Um, we want to be the the agent that's not like we're just signing, you know, I'm gonna sign you and I'm gonna sign you. And um, I just show up when there's the contract. We want to really um, be a active and an engine in your career. And so for that, it's as much as we're talking to people, um, we want them to interview us. We want to interview them and really figure out how we can help. Because there's some people that we can help and some people that we, we, we can't. And we don't want to waste anybody's time. So that's why it's, like, it's very passive. Mm-hmm. Um, I've had people that was like, hey, you know, I'm ready to sign. And you're like, I don't know if I can help you. And I don't want to waste your time. So who would be an ideal person? Like, who would you, what's the prototype of a person that you say, I want to work with this, this guy? Um, a person who understands what they really want. And it's, and it's bigger than just, I want a lot of money. Mm-hmm. Like, what are the accomplishments? What are the goals? What's the family like? Um, how important are they? Um, it's, Somebody that is in some ways like Kai. Um, they want to be humanitarians in a lot of ways. Um, they want to do a good job. Um, we're not into a lot of egos. Mm-hmm. We want to figure out how we can like like it really goes to how you can yeah. we're we're not trying to be the 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 biggest we're not trying to be the celebrity. Like we're not trying to sign, you know, deals for ourselves or yeah. do it like we want to sign deals for the people that we we work with. And what does that look like? And how do we help? And so in some cases, we've been consultants for people and kind of giving them some advice and and how to move forward and what we think and what we see. So for us, it's what is that person that really makes sense for all even? Because it's how do we... Um, create family offices? Um, How do we um, teach you and instruct you and help your family to do the same thing that we're doing? Is it relegated to uh, basketball, specifically the NBA, or are we open to women's professional sports, NIL? Women's NIL. Yeah, yeah, right. Everything in between. Yeah, because the WNBA, I think the the highest rated game was during the finals this year. The popularity has increased. And it's so crazy to me when you think about women and our economic powers that WNBA players don't make the money that they should be making. Right. It's just so crazy to me. And I understand the economics and, and... that part of it, but I it just it just is so great. They should be making so much more. Yeah, I think Kelsey Plum said it. Champion Kelsey Plum, by the way, um, was saying it like we're still a baby. Like we just celebrated twenty five years. Yeah. If we compare, I mean, the times are different, but the trajectory of where it's headed is definitely on the upward. Mm-hmm. And so, having representation, I would just from that standpoint have a representation of like I don't have to have a male agent. Mm-hmm. You don't. I can have, you know what I mean? You could be representative. So like, is that on the vision board for, mm-hmm. okay. Mm-hmm. okay. But we want to make sure we're, we're being an asset and we're, we're really helping. Okay. Because we're a baby ourselves. Right. So you say, who's, who's on your team? Um, Kyrie's dad. 
What's, what's, his, what's his role? He is the chief financial officer. CFO. Yeah. Yeah. And and that's just really based on um, his expertise in that financial business world. Yeah. We met in an elevator in Utah. Yeah. He's <laughs> yeah. a good man. Solid guy. He yeah. said he loves what we're doing. Yeah. Uh, and he's proud of us. And I was yeah. like, yo, that was God's dad. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So <laughs> He's brilliant. He's brilliant in that um, financial does, space. Does Kai... All right, so you you got family business. Mm-hmm. Is Kai interested in, in the business? Is he involved in the business? Ultimately, once okay. he's done, um, the goal would be to just kind of pass it on to him. So once he's done playing, um, pass it on. And I can retire and his dad can retire and we can run around and act like we're 20-something years old. <laughs> so that's, that, is that the goal for All Even? Yeah. Is to, we're going to... Build it up. Build it up. Ultimately, at some at some point, because I think at that point, Kai will have enough experience to really, really uh, be a, a real agent of change for for players coming to the industry. Um, how do you look at his role as like he's the closest thing probably to like a Muhammad Ali for our generation yeah. as far as um he's he's taking stances, he's become a controversial, polarizing figure. Mm-hmm. He's become a He's become like adored by the public in a way that even outweighs his pub his talent level, right? Like it's not a lot of athletes that have that level of um, you know, respect from the population or can be polarizing to population depending on what side what side you're on. But um yeah, how, how does he even think about that aspect of it? Not yet. But I if think... you think about it, he's the only one. Yeah. Colin Kaepernick played a part, but he's not even, he's not an athlete anymore. Um, and so he's not even like really in the mix. But as far as athletes now, there's no athlete that really has ever pushed a line in the last, like Jalen Brown is doing it in a, yeah. in a, in a non-traditional way for sure. I and feel he, like LeBron and those guys, they've, they've, they've done it in their way. Like LeBron. I'm saying as far as some, some level of controversy. Right, because Muhammad Ali was a very controversial. Stop saying controversy because I think it it has such a negative connotation connotation to it, and I think that the more we say, "Oh, it's it's a controversial um, thing or a controversial moment," I think we're reinforcing that this is something that's negative, negative, right? And so I think that we have to figure out, and I don't know what that word is today, how not to when athletes are standing up for what they believe in, whether we whether we think it's right or wrong or indifferent, figure out what that word is to to describe that. Yeah. Because I think that we all are given, you know, we all are afforded this idea of of, of choice, yeah. especially in this country. Yeah. So I think we gotta figure out For sure. I don't I don't really look at it as like a negative thing per se. I just look at it as like America's a very divisive country. Yeah. Just is what it is, right? And it's split. It's split between black and white. It's split between rich and poor. It's split a lot of different ways. So I feel like sometimes some people um, make stances. And if you make a stance, if you have enough courage to make a stance, mm-hmm. you have to deal with the consequences of that. Correct. And no matter what that stance is, it's almost always going to be controversial, right? There's always a consequence. There's always a consequence. There's always a consequence. And there's always going to be a, a lot of people that don't agree with it. Correct. Right? So for the most part, most people... You kind of take the Michael Jordan approach where you just 
play it safe. Right. There's nothing wrong with that. I'm just saying that that's what most athletes have done for the last 30 years. You don't really get into political stuff. You don't really make too many social stances. You know, you just kind of like, just stay out of that. Yeah. Because it's not it's not beneficial to your brand, right? You're going to lose a lot of money. You're going to lose support. I mean, it's just a real conversation. But there's some athletes that didn't care about that. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Muhammad Ali yeah. is somebody that comes to mind who lost a lot of money yeah. by not wanting to go to war. He could have just went to Vietnam. He wasn't going to fight as a soldier. Could have just, you know, did some tours, entertained the soldiers. But his belief, his religious belief and just his moral belief mm-hmm. said he didn't want to do that. And he took a court case all the way to the Supreme Court so he didn't have to go to jail. Right. Lost two years, three years of his career. In the prime of his career, lost a lot of money. and But ultimately... He's known for something more than just boxing. Correct. So that, that's what I mean by by that, right? Like I look at Kyrie, like you know, he he didn't have to. He could have just took the vaccine. He could have just you know, nobody would have nobody would have thought anything of it because everybody else did. Mm-hmm. But it's like you made a stance, and then he he probably didn't do it to become a but public. I don't know if it's making a stance as much as if he was in anywhere else in the world where there was not a mandate. Mm. Would it have been him making a stance? Well, sometimes you because I think it would have been a choice. Sometimes you you get highlighted without even like Marshawn Lynch said he never stood for the national anthem. It's just the public highlighted Colin Kaepernick, mm-hmm. right? Sometimes you do things, and it's like he's not the only player that didn't take the vaccine, but for whatever reason, yeah, he's the one that became the face of it, mm-hmm. right? They needed a face. Right. And sometimes that's not up to you. You can't control it. But sometimes people just put things on you. And if you make that decision, now you have no choice but to live with it. Correct. And and I think, so here's the thing I'll, I'll always say about, we all make choices, right? Um, I think that I don't ever want to say that, that a choice is a controversial choice. Um, especially when if, if you were in anywhere else that didn't have the same mandate, it would not have been considered a controversy. It would just be like, oh, you just made a choice not to get it done. That's fine. And so that's just, that's why I sit on this this place of how do we, because when we say taking a stand, it still has a negative kind of connotation. And I would love to figure out what is a better word. It has, for a, poli- it. It has a political connotation. Yeah. Like whether or not, you know, and I think moral has a, I think we got to figure out a word. And I think like the next time I come, we'll sit it. with you, like, like let's uh-huh. figure out we'll what that it. word is for um, people that um, are standing up for, you know, the food deserts or food scarcity or education and all in, in health and all of these things, because I don't want, those are very important issues that are impacting our community. And I don't want there to be, well, this is controversial because you said it is not right that kids go, you know, have, are concerned about food in their homes or mm-hmm. that there are food deserts in their communities. Right. I don't want that word controversy to stand. And if we can use what Kyrie went through through, co- through through the vaccine and say, hey, we're going to change that and we're going to create this new word and basically make that a word of positivity when you're saying this is not right and this is a choice that I'm not aligned with. Well, it all, it all, it all yeah. comes down to media. Yeah. That's why the media is really the most important thing in, in society because they can shape the minds of the people. So we can't control, as a regular people, we can't control it. But media can. So 
he didn't, the controversy comes from the media mm-hmm. saying that he's irresponsible and da 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 da. So when that narrative is pushed, now it becomes controversial. But I think coming from media, and I used to uh, go through all of the emails and um, read the comments, when people stand up and say, it's not right, <laughs> you shut a lot of that down. And so there are communities that you cannot say anything. You can't like, no, 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 no. You're not going to say this. You're not going to do this. I'm going to shut that down. And I think we have to be just as vocal and I'm not going to allow you to sugarcoat this. I'm going to shut this down and make you and force you not to make this a negative. But I think it also is harder when it's coming from black people. No, no, it's not. I think that, I think, and not to 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 debate, I think that if we stand together... That, well, that's what I'm saying. It, th- there's no standing together, it's divided. Black people are the ones that's criticizing. So it's like, it's harder to say, like, you know what I mean? Like, I you have... Pro- <laughs> no, you have I pro- have to disagree. I have to disagree. But you because- have pro- no, no, no. The black community support, Kyrie. Yeah. You have prominent black journalists oh, that were okay. on that's television. Different. Yeah, okay. That's that different. That were publicly, like... These are these are not just regular people. These are the highest people of their craft, highly respected in journalism that's publicly denouncing him. I've had those conversations and I've, you know, and I'll leave that private, but I have gone back and sort of had those conversations. And um, there is a certain power that media does have and there are certain forces um, at some of these media companies that demand certain responses to certain things. So mm. I get it. I, I understand it. What I, I wanted to to just make sure that I clarify was that the Black community, um, the Hispanic community, um, the Black and Brown community was really no. supportive of yeah. I. They were like, oh, no, no, hands down. Well, that's, that's, like, why, that's why yeah. I compare it to yeah. Muhammad Ali. And I don't want to compare people, but it's like, he always had a support of the people. Yeah. But the people that are in position of power or in the media, that's that's not the people. Yeah. There's a disconnect. So, I mean, that's interesting. I'm hearing, from what I'm hearing, that was great, back and forth. The media has a job to do. Yeah. And sometimes we don't understand what the person who's saying it, the pressure that's been put on them to have a stance. Correct. And make sort of a spectacle of their response of it because they need people to watch and they need viewership. And what comes with viewership is comes with... Or they, or they need a job. But, or they need the <laughs> sponsorships. They need the job. Is the money that's going to be paying most times for the salaries of the people that are right. on the air. Which is interesting, right? Because that's a deeper perspective for people to look at, especially from the audience standpoint. But a lot of times you hear them say, I spoke to his dad or I spoke to his agent. And so... Nine times out of ten, they didn't. That's where I'm going, right? So I'm thinking like, really? Did you really? Mm-hmm. How often is that happening and when it's it misleading? Okay. It happens all the time. And there are times that I I've like came in and, and said stuff. Um and said, no, that 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 was not what was said. Um, uh, Spoke to a source close to the family. Yeah, and those are the, those are like because I I've no. said I've said to people and uh, and I stand by this. Um, you can use my name. Not like that. And they're like, wait, what? I said, yeah, you can use my name, and you don't have to say sources say. You don't have to say friend of the family. You can use my name. 
And when I give you the authority to use my name, you can run with it. And so there, therefore, there's never any confusion about sources close to the family because a lot of that went on because that was people's way of saying, hey, I talked to the neighbor who lived five houses down yeah. across the street. <laughs> Anybody's close from to the family. The, the close late cousin <laughs> who said, and it's not accurate because, and, and in some cases, people may have presented themselves as in the know. Yeah. And I'm not saying that journalism is 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 faulty or, but I think that in some cases people have presented themselves as being an insider um, and did not understand the impact of what they were saying. Yeah. Or, um, yeah, I'm going to leave that there. So me, yeah, I'm going to leave that there. You, know, I, you can leave it right there because I'm, I'm now I'm looking at it from both standpoints, right? Like there's a parent standpoint and then there's an agent standpoint. Both try to curate an environment. People who look that person shouldn't be like. I don't think they should be around. You need to make that circle a lot tighter during that whole process. He said that very publicly. Like, I, there's a lot of people that I thought I trust. No, my circle is super tight. Are those separate conversations? Or are they in one? Right, as an agent, as a parent, for protective of somebody that you've known since two eight com- years old. Two, conversations. two separate conversations. Yeah, there's a conversation of of agent where it's what is good for the brand. And then there's the conversation as parent where that person will get you in trouble. (laughs) Two different conversations, two different tones, two different everything. So the agent conversation is, "Mm, that's not good for your brand. And here's why. And here's all the proof. The parent conversation, and you've had this with your kids, that person right there, I'm going to tell you right now, don't call me. Because that person is going to get you in a lot of trouble. Mm. So how was your experience being a black woman in a male-dominated industry? I There are times that it pops up. So I remember I was in a meeting, and um, this was a, a higher-up meeting. And I was the only woman in the room. And it was I was not seen. And then there are other times that it's celebrated where um, guys are like, hey, I want to make sure that I help you, that I support you because I love what it is that you're doing. So it's just it just depends on the moment. It depends on the culture. It depends on where people are, um, where it pops up. And sometimes it, it doesn't. And people are just like, hey, it's, it, there's an emphasis on making sure that you're successful. From an agent standpoint, I'm asking as an agent. Mm-hmm. Uh, athletes have other interests. Yeah. Um, are investing, and obviously dad's the CFO, so it's finance, investing, real estate stock. Are those things that we're having conversations about? Angel investing. Angel investing. Are, are we having conversations yeah. about that? Yeah. Okay. His dad is tough in that. Okay. Uh, I bring the opportunity because I'm a girl. I like to shop. So I look at everything and I'm like, yep, yep, yep. And his dad's like, nope. What were you thinking? Nope, nope, nope. So he handles all the finance. Yeah, he he really that's the yeah. thing before you invest. Yeah, he he does a lot of that. Um, and then Kai has you know another team as well. So he's like, there we have um, what we created because uh, I'm the shopper was um, levels of um, investment levels. So we run it through all of these levels to make sure that none of us are missing anything. So we have our legal team. We have our tax and accounting team to make sure that this makes sense. Um, we have another team that sort of looks at it. And if everybody kind of signs off on it and says, this is good, 
then we uh, present it to Kai and kind of get his feedback on it. Now, some people are like, I hate that, that you have to talk to so many different people, but it just works for us mm-hmm. in terms of, because there's things that, you know, I may miss, his dad may miss. And if you have so many people looking at it, it just kind of keeps everybody solid. It's tough to miss when everybody's looking. Yeah. For sure. Um, I feel like an agent's responsibility is also to protect yeah. their, their client. So uh, is that part of your your mm-hmm. job title as well? Like, mm-hmm. do you look at, okay, before he speaks here, let me look at it. Do I do this? Do I look at the photo shoot to make sure the pictures, like, is that? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Every, every which way. Uh, sometimes he does this. <laughs> um, all of my kids do this. And that's their that's their uh, way of pushing me back to say you, you you're becoming a little too much. But yeah, mm-hmm. every every everything. So what is what's on the vision board for you and your company over the next couple of years? I know obviously you said that you know you're looking to expand and get more clients, but what? Yeah, how how would you like your your enterprise to be? So we want to do probably in the next two to three years like a billion dollars in deals. In deals. Yeah. So that's that's on our most immediate. Um, the other side of it is, um, obviously bringing in clients. And so we have that magic number of where, where we want to be, um, by way of clients over the next two to three years. And is this new clients from college or a client from college or like people leaving their old? Yeah. Mixture of, uh, veterans. Yeah. Veterans, um, uh, college, um, just that, that whole mixture, um, we want to, we've talked a lot about creating a collective of independent agents that we can use as a resource. Um, I've had a lot of uh, conversations with uh, uh, Jalen's brother Q about how can we, because there's a lot of uh, this thought of independence mm-hmm. that a lot of players and athletes are thinking about. And so how do we be this resource, this collective resource? And I'm excellent at this. You're excellent at that. How do we bring it together and really create um, this agent collective that we can all pull and grow and create from? So we're just having those conversations. Um, and that's that's pretty much it. Yeah. I don't want the media is important, and I think as our platform, I want to highlight the philanthropy that happens from your side and your team. And obviously, every time there's been an issue or cause, we've always seen Kyrie donate. Doesn't get highlighted. Probably should more. So I would. I want to give you the floor to talk about all the philanthropy that you've been doing over the past three to five years because it's a lot. It's it it is a lot. It's it's a lot. (laughs) Um, a lot of it is we want to be angels in this because the minute that, um, it becomes public, you get flooded with everybody has a need. Some of those needs are authentic. Some of them are not. Um, but I know that Kai's focus is on entrepreneurship, um, women, uh, maternity and health for women that are having babies and look to expand their families. And that's something very different from an athlete that you would say, why would an athlete be interested in it? Um, we know the, the mortality rates that exist for Black women um, in giving birth. So that's something that he really wants to kind of get behind and um, figure out pathways for. Um, it is um, the Native American uh, community. 
Um, how do we create opportunity there? And we're working on something that we hope to announce relatively soon where that would create a pipeline of opportunity and, and monetary gain for within that community. Um, it is food scarcity, uh, food deserts. How do we help out there? It is education. It is um, financial literacy. Because um, like I said, we as, as people of color, we're raising our hands left and right and saying, help me invest, teach me about money because there's so much that we don't understand and know. Um, mental health is another one that is a big focus for us um, in recognizing that the, we all have needs. It's not, you know, and it's, it's, you should not be ashamed to say that there are days that I wake up and I'm just, and there are things that are going on that I need to talk to somebody about. And so we're just trying to figure out pathways to um, create opportunities for people to have real honest conversations about mental health and those issues that a lot of people are, are battling in silence. So that's, that's it to name a few. Yes. And we lot. thank you. That's a lot. Yeah. We thank you because we see it. Thank for you. sure. So, yeah, no, thank you for joining us. Um, met the whole family now. Your husband, like you said, we met him in Utah. <laughs> Had a great conversation. Um, and Kyle, we got to spend some time with him. So I know he actually watches the program. So shout out to him. Definitely the best ball handler of all time. We have that, that's, a <laughs> that's a fact. That's a fact. We're not arguing that, y'all. That's a fact. But all, just just a good dude. Like I said, solid. I, I, we you know we spent a couple hours with him. You just kind of get a feel for somebody. So he was very low key, good heart. reserved, like yeah. you know, just cool person. We were talking about um rap. We were talking about, yeah, we were talking about rap. <laughs> we were talking about you know just a variety of different things. So he, Kyle, we was right. Just for the record, we was right. <laughs> Me and you, we was right. So yeah, we had a lot. <laughs> we had a lot. Of, we had a great conversation. So shout out to Kyrie. But um. Keep up the great work. You know, it's definitely needed to highlight um, people like yourself because um, there's a lot of young ladies that I'm sure probably want to get into the world of sports but don't know how, right? And then it's like if you don't have a roadmap to follow, even if you just have somebody to look at, like I'm sure, you know, a lot of people have looked at Rich Paul as somebody that's breaking the mold. I'll say he's, he's, he's one of my godfathers. Rich Shout out to Rich. Friend of the show. You just mentioned that. Uh, uh, <laughs> no, friend of the yeah, show. Friend yeah. of the show. Shout out to Rich. Invest <laughs> He's Fest. a godfather. We had him at Invest Fest yeah. too. So, you know, but people like that is important, right? Because yeah. they're not coming from traditional paths. Um, so, you know, it gives um, hope and inspiration to people. So that's definitely important. So keep up the great work. Um, yeah. yeah. Let's uh, continue to stay in dialogue. Love Let's it. continue to work together. And anything that we can do to be of help, just let us know. Thank you. I appreciate you guys. I had a good time. Oh, thank you for coming. Appreciate for coming. it. Appreciate it. <laughs> All right, guys. Thank you for rocking with us. We'll see you next week. Peace. Peace. The Enhanced American Express Business Gold Card is designed to take your business further. It's packed with features and benefits like flexible spending capacity that adapts to your business, 24-7 support from a business card specialist trained to help with your business needs, and so much more. The Amex Business Gold Card, now smarter and more flexible. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash businessgoldcard. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership. We're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. 
Parker, engineering your success.